Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Stu and Blake. Hello. And welcome to the uh, UFC 259 post-fight show here on the uh, MMA Fan Podcast. I'm Blake Harrison. I'm Stu Whiffin. You done something really funny then. When you went for the hello, you opened your arms up in, in, in yeah. a big kind of uh, sort of angelic kind of hello. Like, well, yeah, um, come one, come all, it almost resonates. Well, I'm an actor, Stu, you know, the voice, <laughs> the body, it's all connected. You know, you've got to just let these things flow through you. Um, anyway, back onto the reason we're chatting, which is uh, UFC 259. Oh. It had a bit of everything, didn't it? I mean, it was it was it, on paper. This was such an amazing card. Yeah. It was stacked top to bottom, prelims, uh, uh, main card, big fights, title fights, superstars. Like it, it had absolutely everything, and it pretty much delivered didn't it i mean not all the fights were exactly what we wanted not all the outcomes were necessarily what we expected but i mean it it had a lot going you're going to remember this card for a while definitely definitely um i've been like choking at the bit to to message you about choking the at the bit like choking at the bit that's <laughs> it... not the expression <laughs> what is it chomping at the bit chomping at the bit well, you're not choking. I've got to talk to... I need to talk to Blake. Must message Blake. I was chomping at the bit um, to to get in touch because everyone else that I know... Or, well, when I said it's in the USA, which is Pip, like, he's asleep, like, because yep. he's overseas. So I was like, I can't message him. And it's like... And I don't really want to message you about it because I want to save it for now. And yeah, so we, of th- yeah, yeah. this is literally the first time we've discussed the yeah. um, the fights. I mean, before, you, you... before we get into it, okay, I, I think we need to just mention how both of us watched it because I think we watched it quite differently. Yeah, because I was trying to be, you know, part of the MMA community, watching it live. I went to bed at about eleven and then set my alarm for about like half one or something like that. So I did miss like the first prelim fight. On BT Sport, but um, I I came downstairs. Honest to God, I felt awful. I felt I had like a headache. I felt nauseous. I got super hungry and was like, "Well, it's really early. Do I eat? Do I not?" It was like the worst. It felt like the worst way to watch it. And I genuinely feel like it impacted how 
I've viewed the fights and stuff. And uh, like, this, that's not just an excuse. I'm not doing like a Paolo Costa of like, oh, I, woke, I couldn't sleep or oh, I woke up early. So all, all my takes on the fight are really bad because of that. I'm not, I'm not putting out a, a, a Bohashinia um, excuse there. <laughs> but uh, did you like that? Is that good Portuguese? Bohashinia. Uh, but um, yeah, so, but it did, did. I felt awful. You, on the other hand... Slept like a baby. Um, yeah, I, I, I actually went to bed at nine o'clock on Saturday night. I was quite tired, and I mean that's ridiculous. And but I did go to bed at, at nine o'clock on Saturday night, and I got up. I think I got up about six, and then that way I thought I can watch the whole card before anyone else wakes up, uh, which was what what happened. Um, yeah, didn't feel nauseous. Felt quite nice. Had a had a, had a couple of coffees, and uh, yeah, it thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, there you go. That's that's the way. To, I mean, I still enjoyed the fights, but I definitely think I was kind of watching it with my brain melting out of my ears through it's, just like tiredness. It is tough, though, mate. It, it, like, I only get up, and I was I literally messaged Pip, and I went, "Is this a pay per view?" And, and he was like, "I don't think so in, in in the UK." So I was like, "Oh, mate, so I can record it." And like, if yeah. it's not, if it, if you've got like the Connor fight, I think oh, I've got to get up and watch it. And when I've sort of done that before, it does just write the next day off. And it, yeah. it's just, it just does me. And it's like, do you know what? I'm just going to get up at like nice and early, have a cup of tea and just, and then that way as well, you know, greatest of respect to UFC, but I can fast forward for all the ad breaks and the, and the, yeah. and the waffle and just get straight to the action. Yeah, that's what you want. That's good. Well, anyway, where do we start? Do we start at the main event, which is what I imagine we would normally do? But there was obviously one thing that happened where you go, "Is this the biggest talking point of the night?" Should we start? Obviously, I'm talking about the knee, yeah, the illegal knee. Do we start at the illegal knee, or do we go from the main event and work our way down? What do we do? Let's give Blackovich's fucking respect, mate. Oh, I love that answer because it's so true. <laughs> he needs to put some respect on that name. Um, all right. I mean, so we both, is it fair to say we, we both picked Adesanya to win, didn't we? Yeah. We both picked Adesanya to win. That, I mean, little caveat, that was before they weighed in. Mm. And as soon as they weighed in, I was worried because... I thought... Hang on, that, hang on. Are you going to tell me you changed your pick now? No, I'm no, not no, having no. that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I didn't. I went, I went for Adesanya and I'm stuck with that pick. But I was worried when he weighed in mm. because I thought to myself, I expected him to weigh in at 205 and maybe put a couple of pound on or something like that uh, afterwards. But... I didn't expect him to weigh in at 201 pounds. Yeah. Like, because he's effectively, he's fighting a guy that is a stone and a bit heavier than him. And I I also, and because of that, I think the takedowns were always going to be easy. I always thought of Izzy as having very good takedown events. I mean, he did very well against uh, Brunson, and mm-hmm. I, I think he's someone that you, you can't take down very easily. But that extra weight must, must play a factor. And uh, but one of the things that I was really surprised at is how well Blahovic stood up with him. Yeah, I thought obviously we've got the legendary Polish power. You know that from when Izzy fought Romero, he got clipped early on, and then was like, "Right, I'm really taking this 
very seriously now. I'm only going in when I feel like it's safe. I thought we'd get that type of Izzy, which we kind of did in a way. And I was still amazed at how much Yan was able to clip him. I mean, we didn't get any necessarily like full-on solid shots that were knockouts. You've seen him knock out people much bigger than Izzy. So I I just felt like I was just impressed that technically, from a technical standpoint, his stand-up seemed to match up quite well. Obviously, he's got that power, which is going to make Izzy more respectful. But I felt like he won a, a round or two early that it, from just the striking exchanges. I don't think he only won four, four and five when he took him down. I think there were striking exchanges that he was doing incredibly well in. See, I, I, I sort of agree. But, um, but I also think that the first round was super cautious, I thought. Like, they were yeah. proper feeling each other out, and that's to be expected. And then when it got to the second round, I, I thought Izzy was... Was was just totally controlling it. I thought he, it was tit for tat kickboxing, uh, yep. and I just think he won't find necessarily power shots, but he was just, I thought like beating him to the punch and just throwing more. I, I, yep. I thought I thought Easy was 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 pretty special in them sort of first uh, couple of rounds, and and really good low kicks as well. I thought the yep. low kicks were were, were, were were pretty impressive, um, and then for me it was like I think. It was it was so tight though, and I mean that. I mean, are you was you happy with the scoring? To be honest, again, because of my brain slightly melting out of my ears, I I, I mean, it got to about what like five thirty or whatever when they were coming out. I I don't think I've got a great memory of yeah. the exact kind of scoring or anything like that. Um, what I'm aware of since after waking up and looking at like the press conferences and listening to a couple of things, I'm aware that there was maybe a couple of 10-8 rounds mm. given because of the takedowns. Personally, I don't think any of those rounds were 10-8. I think that even with the takedown, up until the takedowns in four and five, it seemed pretty even with the striking. Um, and then in the takedowns, it wasn't like Yan was about to submit him or... Izzy was covering up and giving his back and he was getting ground and pounded into oblivion or anything like that. None of that happened. Izzy seemed to be able to protect himself pretty well on the ground. He couldn't get up. And that was obviously a massive factor, but he, he didn't take a huge amount of damage. I mean, looking at their faces afterwards, neither of them looked that banged up Mm. really. So there shouldn't have been any 10, eight rounds in there. In my opinion, the scorecards, I don't think were correct, but 100% 100% the right person won the fight. There's mm. no, I don't think you can in any way say, oh, Izzy won that or there was any kind of robbery or anything. It was very clear, I think, that Yan won the fight. And then, I mean, we should point out, Izzy, uh, absolutely gracious in defeat. Um, Brilliant. Like, very, very respectful um, and, you know, said that he's got some business to, to deal with, you know, in the, uh, the division below. Um, yep. And one of the things that I thought was quite interesting was if if this is to be believed from 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 what Dana said, like when he put the strap round him, like apparently Yan said, "You don't believe in me, do you?" Or yeah. something along them lines, wasn't it? And uh, I think there's been a lot of that, though. I think I think we might even have like a, a, a question from one of our one of our followers uh, oh, okay. on the socials. 
Do you, I didn't know whether to do all the questions at the end no, or to bring fit. up one or two here. They fit. I think it, it did say it's something along the lines of, and you, have you got them in front of you there? Because yeah. I, um, I there's someone I think on Instagram, and we, we need to give you a proper shout out as well. That was basically saying all week was was Jan Blahovic not taken seriously, and um, I think that as the week went on. I think more and more people were starting to give him a bit more respect. But I think whenever you've got like someone moving up in weight, especially when it's someone as charismatic as Israel Adesanya, then it does become the easy show. It's just, it's what happens. I mean, you saw it a little bit with Conor Poirier where, you know, it's the Conor show and Poirier was kind of just there. And it was only maybe when you start getting round to the latter parts of the fight week that people start really, truly thinking about how that fight's going to go and how everyone's looking. And you go, oh, no, it's, it's much more likely that Blahovic might get it done or Poirier's going to cause an upset or, or whatever it is. And, uh, and I definitely think there was a lot of that. But I don't, I don't think it's a case of not believing in him. But having said that, we had this chat with Pip, didn't we? Where Pip was saying, I've picked against him every time, so this this time I'm going to pick him. Yeah. And we didn't do that. And mm. we're the ones that, that, that lost that pick, you know. Yeah. Because it seems like he's he's got one of those, up until recently, he's got one of those um, slightly iffy records. It seems like he wins, then he loses, wins, then he loses. I, mean, I know he's got those clawed wins back against like Manoa and... Um, I don't know, maybe it was Corey Anderson or something, I'm not sure, but but he's clawed wins back and he's done very well. And it's, we, do you know what we didn't speak about was the whole hangman's rope thing. You aware of that? No. Just, oh. just quickly, I will shout out Chris Martin, um, who was the guy that, that chimed in with that question. Um, how did we feel about the commentary during uh, the Yan and Easy fight? Did you feel Yan was uh, overlooked all week? Yes, official Chris Martin as well, I think his yeah. name is. I can only yeah. assume he's the lead singer of Coldplay. Oh, 100%. Is it? Yeah, it's, it's that Chris Martin, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant. Love that guy. Um, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, what were we saying? The. Um, Hangman's Row. This Hangman's Row. Oh, this is the best. So if you don't know this story, it's excellent. And you need, you need to hear it from Blahovich's mouth. But the story goes. He's walking in the woods in Poland. I think this is before he goes on any form of win streak. He was winning, then losing, winning, then losing. And then he comes up, he's walking in the woods in Poland in this like rural area, and he sees a, a bloke hanging from a tree. And his immediate reaction is to go, are you all right? But he could tell he wasn't. There was like blood coming out of his like nose and stuff. Like this, this man was dead. And so he calls the police and uh, the policeman says to him, uh, I'm going to do a bad Polish accent now, but he's like, you're going to take the rope. You take the rope. Uh, and uh, he's like, what? I'm not going to take, take the rope. What are you on about? He's like, for the luck. You take the rope for the luck. And um, so he doesn't do that because he thinks it's a bit mad. Goes home and Googles it. And apparently it is maybe like a Polish folklore or something like that where it is lucky. If you, if you find a hangman, you, you keep the rope. It brings you luck. And so what he started doing was rather than take the rope into his house, because it's fucking creepy, um, he just goes to the rope to the forest before every fight and touches the rope and then goes away. And all of a sudden he starts winning and winning and winning and winning. And he does it every time he goes and touches this hangman's rope until it got to the point where he went, do you know what? Someone might take this rope. Someone might come across it, not really realize what it is and just, just take it. So he ends up cutting 
the rope down and getting a part of the rope made into a bracelet for himself. So he's got this now like red and blue, I think it is, bracelet with um, this clasp that's like a wolf's head, just because he likes wolves. No relevance whatsoever, he just loves a wolf. Um, and, uh, and he's now got this bracelet. So he wears this bracelet that is part of the rope a man hung himself with for the wow. luck. And, I mean, it's worked. You can't I mean, argue with the results. It's fucking mental, but it's... Uh... <laughs> It is. That is nuts. I didn't, I've not heard that. Yeah, he talked about it a little bit on the Embedded, but I'd heard that before, probably on like Helwani's podcast or something yeah. like that, where he talked about the hangman's rope. And stuff. Fascinating. Absolutely amazing. But he's, ever since, he's, he's just been on like a win streak. So, uh, so it's clearly brought him luck. But um, I, we, di- I, I, we digress. I, I think he'll get his, his, you know, his respect now. You know, I think he's... he's, he's... He's proved himself, and you know that's a big win. Even, a even if even if Izzy was undersized, which he which he was, mm. then it's still a big win. Yeah, and let's not overlook the fact he was already the champ as well. It's not like he's just got the yeah. belt. He was already the champ, and he, he you know it's it it absolutely scalps and beasts as well. And I just think the Izzy hype train is like it's the Connor effect, and it? it's just it's yeah. huge. And you know anything else is kind of in its shadow, and and. You know, Jan's not the most outspoken. You know, I'm sure he's got plenty of charisma, but, you know, on the media side of things, he's not a big personality, is he? He's not selling himself hard, whereas Izzy's just super charismatic, you know, ring walks and things like that. It's just, and so you you just kind of get pulled into that and it it hypes him more and kind of does just push sort of Jan into the shadows. But he's won the fight, you know, and he'll get the rub now, though, won't he? There There will be more people. Inched in Jamblachowicz, and he he dealt with it the whole thing. So, and he seems like quite a, just a nice, funny bloke. Yeah, but like he's got a young son, I think now as well. Like his baby was born only like earlier this year or whatever, and he just seems like this really nice bloke that loves bathing in ice and stuff in the middle of Poland in a frozen lake, and uh, with a noose around yeah. his wrist. With like. a noose around his wrist. <laughs> Well, speaking of, of wonderful people uh, and, and their children, uh, let's talk about the goat, right? I would love to talk about the goat, but before we do, okay. I think we should just quickly think about what, what happens next with, with Izzy and Blahovich. I feel that's a nice thing to do. Is yeah. to what comes next. And I know that, you know, fighters out there, they will probably be like, I've just had a fight, mate. Give, give me a break. I just want to rest. But we as fans, whilst... It's in our brains. We want to go, oh, what's, what's going on next? Who's defending next? And all this kind of stuff. That's the Who question you want next? Joe to ask, isn't it? That's, That's the, the question. You, you, always want, you always want the Like, a lot of fighters don't do call-outs. But when a fighter, after a win, calls someone out, you love it. You get a buzz for it. You get excited about yeah. it. And that's what this whole show's about, isn't it? It's just us being fans, really. Yeah. So as much as we apologise to Izzy and Jan, because they're probably listening, let's be honest. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Ray Chris uh, Martins. Have, yeah, right. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, we apologise to them for throwing them back in the, the octagon so quickly. But in our, we don't mind you taking a break, but in our heads, we've got to get excited about something. So, um, with Jan, I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah. It's Glover Teixeira. It's got to right? be. The guy's like 92. Yeah. He's, he needs this title shot now or it's not going to happen. Yeah. And so, yeah, and I think he even said it himself in the interview. He said... Glover's next. And yeah. that's the thing you want of a champion because it wasn't Jan's decision to fight, is he? Jan seems like the type of guy that is going to go, who did the UFC want me to fight? 
give me the contract, I'll sign it and I'll fight him. And he's, he's just going to go, yeah, is the time right? Brilliant, let's just do it. Um, and that's the kind of champions you love. You're like, he's not thinking, oh, I'm going to go up to heavyweight or, oh, I only want super fights. And there's some champions that have had the belt and not even defended it. And they're calling for like a super fight and stuff. And you're like, come on, just be the champion of your division. Yeah. Clear out your division and then move up. Dana and, said that, that, that Glover's happening. He said that's yeah. the obvious fight as well. And look, is, is it going to be smashing pay-per-view records? No. But is it the right fight to make in terms of meritocracy? Absolutely it is. And I love to see a champion just wanting to be the best and fight the next, just fight the next guy. Who's next? Beat him. Who's next? Beat him. That's when you become, I think, a superstar, especially to the, to the hardcore fans. Mm. You know, you, you just be, you, you're the guy that just takes everyone out. You're not, you're not caring about your social media following or, you know, the, the, the huge paydays. You're just fighting the next man up, and that's the fighters that, that a lot of us really love to see. So good on Yan for being that guy, I think. And Izzy's a more complicated one, what happens with him, I think. So what have we got coming up? Whitaker Whitaker Costa is yeah. coming up. Also, I think it's Marvin Vittori versus Darren Till is also coming up. And I think in a, a few weeks, Kevin Holland versus Derek Brunson. So there's three really big middleweight fights yeah. coming up. I I would say if Whitaker wins, he's probably the front runner because he's beat Till. He's beat um he would have beaten Costa if he wins that fight. I don't think there's anyone in front of him. I know it's maybe not overly exciting for Izzy because it's a rematch, but I, I don't see how you can really make much of a case for anyone else. However, Izzy, as mentioned, the only person he's really excited about fighting, he said this in an interview, is Darren Till. But Darren Till needs to win. Um, so if Costa beats Whitaker, or if Whitaker Costa's a bit of a snorefest, which I don't think it will be, I, I think Whitaker's going to win that, and I think it's going to be a really good fight. Um, but if, if, if it is a boring fight, or if Costa does win, until beats Vittori, especially if he does it in a good fashion, I think they're probably going to throw Till in there. Because again, whether it's right that they do it or not, I don't know. But it's big business. Darren Till is, is huge on social media. Izzy's already said he's very excited about it. It will be a really interesting striking contest. And that's what a lot of casual fans want to see. It's, it seems like if... If those things play out in that way, that's probably, I think, the way that they'll go. But then you've got the dark horse in Kevin Holland, who's, who's you know, Mr. Big Mouth, who I absolutely yeah. love. And if he puts Brunson away, I still think, even if he beats Brunson, he's still one or two fights away from earning a title shot. I agree. But stranger things have happened. Yeah. You know, things fall out. It's the COVID era as well. T- Could Till's he slide the money in fight. there? Till's the money fight. Like, yeah. It's, it's huge. Uh you know, there's a lot of charisma floating around them too, and and I think that 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 will do some serious some serious pay per views. But like you say, if Whitaker wins, I think he needs that shot. Yeah, I think so too, and I think it'll be a better fight. I mean, I do think Izzy will probably still win it, mm. but I really love Whitaker. I think he's a great fighter. He seems like a really good bloke as well, and I, I'd be happy to see him get a, a a title shot again if he beats Costa. Absolutely. And speaking of good blokes, I, f- I really struggle when a, f- a fight happens where 
one of them hasn't annoyed you or been a bit overconfident or been a bit cocky, the thought of watching Blachowicz, uh, Blachowicz versus Glover, it's just like, oh, I, just, I just would not know where, where to pick. It's like, it's just like two just good eggs. It's yeah. like... They just really, they do just seem like really nice yeah. human beings, don't I, they? I, I, I couldn't, I would not know a root for for that. I mean, I I can sometimes put the uh, the kind of emotional thing to one side and think about what's the best storyline for mm. that division. Glover winning would be amazing because of his age and because of what he's gone through and he was probably never going to do it. However, in terms of the future of that division, I think it would be good if Blahovic gets a few title defences under his belt because there's still the shadow of John Jones looming over that division. Of course. And I think that the best thing for the division is to have a really good... I think if, it, if the title chops and changes all the time... There's been a lot of talk over the years of light heavyweight being quite a shallow division and John Jones just being so much better than everyone. And then there's not a huge amount of talent under that. And um, I think that now there's obviously a closer gap between the champion and the rest of the division. But I still think it might be good for that division to to, to have a a recognisable champion for the belt, not to just chop and change all the time. But having said that, I mean, Yuri Prohashka... Looks really yeah. good. His fight against Uzdemir. I know he's got Dominic Reyes coming up. So I think in terms of of that, that could be interesting. I mean, we could see, I might get onto this later, but then uh, the winner of that fight taking on Rakic maybe or something. Yeah. So there, there's now a bit more buzz and excitement about light heavyweights. But I would like to see Blahovic just really affirm himself as the main champion, the main man in that division. If he beats Glover, great. And then he's got probably a massive fight against someone that I think, again, I think if Prohashka beats Reyes and then beats Rakic, or if Rakic beats the winner of uh, Reyes, Prohashka, mm. I think Blahovic yet again might go into another title defence as an underdog. Yeah. And that'll be an interesting story yeah. as well. So, yeah. So, so light heavyweight is actually becoming a lot more exciting now. Should we talk about the GOAT? Oh, let's talk about the GOAT. I mean, what is there to say, though? It's just, it just kind of speaks for itself, doesn't it? She's just so good. So good, mate. And just, it, it, it felt, and I mean, the greatest respect it to her, like, it did feel like lamb to the slaughter, didn't it? It was yeah. like, and I almost felt that by choking her, um, it, no, it wasn't choking, it was armbar, wasn't it? Well, yeah, it was quite, kind of seemed like both. It was like she was going for a triangle and the jiu-jitsu specialist out there would probably be shouting, it was this! But we don't know, sorry. But, yeah. um, it was, but it was kind of like a weird triangle. But tapped. she went into that, but that, that kind of arm bar that was like, it went under the arm, didn't yeah. it? And, she was, and I think it looked like Anderson knew what was coming and it was probably, for her career, it was probably a sensible tap because she'll be able to fight again soon. Um, it but, felt uh, to me that Nunes sort of done that to sort of spare her. And I had him. It did. It felt a little bit Khabib Gaethje, didn't it? Yeah. It felt a little bit like I could, I could actually really hurt you, but yeah. I'm actually going to take some mercy and uh, yeah. or show you some mercy uh, and do it in this way. I mean, whether that's true or not, I don't know. She probably would have just snapped her arm in two had she not tapped. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but it but did just... feel like it, she could have done it in a more brutal fashion, and she she didn't. 
and it was just like that first 30 seconds, like Anderson was just wide eyed. She looked panicked and yeah. like she just looked like. And I, and I think it's just that crazy power. I just think when you this, when you watch um, women's UFC, you see some incredible strikers, and then you see Nunes, and when yeah. she throws, it she just throws like no one else, and it's yep. just terrifying. To be on the wrong end of that is not a pleasant thing. And I think if you're already going in against somebody that everyone's calling the GOAT, probably leading up to the fight, you're seeing press where people are saying things along the lines of, it's just another, you know, another lamb to the slaughter, pretty much. Yeah. Then that's going to get in your head. And it was written all over her face, bless her. She, she looked terrified, I thought, in there. And that first shot must have just confirmed why she should be terrified. Yeah, I mean, it was the first shot, wasn't it? It seemed like she came out. She probably had a game plan. She got James Krause in the corner, who mm. loads of people are really high on James Krause as a coach at the moment. He seems to be doing really, really well. But there's there's levels. And Nunes hit that one, I think it was a right hand, that hit her right on the forehead. And she just went, oh, what's, what is that? Um, and yeah, and I can't remember if I said it on last week's show or if I said it when, when we were chatting previously. Um, the biggest fight that that 145 pound division could ever have is not going to happen and it's a cyborg rematch yeah because that's I'm, all there is that's, that's all there is all there i mean look you i believe cyborg went into that fight not expecting nunez to cause her much problems because cyborg was basically just unbeatable for a long mm. period of time people were just feeding her these women and she was just taking them out with no problems. Um, and then Nunes came, comes along. She got clipped early and went, oh, that was worse than I thought it was. Let me get you back. And you can see her. She looks like she's rushing in and rushing in. And then Nunes just, just takes her out so quickly. And seeing Cyborg really respecting Nunes and respecting her power and that fight happening would, I think, be, be the best fight that division can make. And it was uncharted waters for her. I think she'd... She'd probably never been clipped like that, Cyborg. No. And 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 you know, uh, and I guess when you look at some of the more sort of seasoned, you know, journeymen that when they get clipped like that, they know what to do. You know, it's like right, take them down, like clinch or whatever. Whereas she just bit down on the gum shield and thought, "Fuck this, you're yeah. going to get some back." And that was, in hindsight, probably not a good decision. It was a terrible decision. Um... But yeah, and I don't think she'd make that same mistake twice. So that's, but you know, she's over at Bellator now, absolutely ripping it up over there, champion over there. And we're not going to see any cross promotional stuff. So I think that that fight will never happen, which is a real shame. The other big one that's potentially down the line is Kayla Harrison. I don't know a huge amount about her. I know she's at 155. I think in Invicta, or she was an Invicta National on PFL. I'm not 100% sure. But Kayla Harrison is naturally 155. But she, oh no, that's it. She made 145 recently for an Invicta fight. And her and Nunes, I think, are at the same training camp. I'm not, I think they might both be at American top team. I'm not sure. But they're both at the same training camp. And, um, and Kayla Harrison has made 145 now. And uh, Nunes, I think, in an interview was asked, would you ever fight her? And uh, I think she effectively was saying, if it makes good business sense, why, why not? I don't, she, she didn't seem overly precious about fighting a, a teammate. So that, if Kayla Harrison keeps building her name up and she makes 145, 
that's a potential one for down the line. But there's not even any rankings at 145. There are rankings for every division, male and female, in the UFC. And when you get to featherweight women's, it's just a picture of Nunes. And there's no names underneath her. She's cleared out that division. And if they, if they ditch that division, it's, it's not like any fans are really going to be that bothered, I don't think. I mean, that, I mean, uh, Chris Martin, obviously, he, was, he, he took a day off uh, the piano and, and messaging a, a couple of things. Uh, he did also say, you know, we just said, like, you know, on the Instagram, like, what's next? you know, for the go. And uh, he said, uh, Dana getting rid of the division is the only way she loses that one, four, five strap. Um, you know, everyone else at one, four, you know, who's, who's for, it? uh, this was from uh, DFL 2020 at one, four, five. Absolutely. No one pure monster. and rightfully dubbed the greatest. Um, again, it's just more of the same. Uh, Jody famous punks. Absolutely. No one. She's unstoppable. Uh, I, I think, you know, it's, it is that cyborg thing that's never going to happen. I did see that Penna called her out yesterday. Um, yeah. I mean, that's at 135, obviously, but it's just like, oh, well, I mean, she could go up to 145, I guess. Yeah. I I mean, sure. For a minute, let's see more Nunes because yeah. she's a, a superstar. Yeah. But is anyone going to bet against Nunes? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, it's pretty the, obvious that Nunes is going to, is going to win everything. I mean, we all say this, everyone's unbeatable until they just aren't. Yeah. We think the same about Ronda, Aldo, um, you know, so, so many fighters out, uh, Anderson Silva. Yeah. You, they think they're unbeatable. And then all of a sudden, whoa, someone comes yeah. in and really surprises you. It could happen. I don't see it happening, but yeah, there was, we did have one uh, question. Um, I can't remember who it was from, but effectively, obviously, bigging up Amanda and then saying, "Should she fight men now?" Um, I don't know who said it. I, I, I well, let me just have a quick look. But there was also, um, I think, Cub Swanson tweeted during the event as yeah. well, just saying she'd legit beat men in that division. Well, I, I've been thinking about this recently anyway. I'd like, if you could find this guy, because I want to give him a shout-out, because we want to give every, everyone that, that messages in, I'd love to, to give a, a little shout-out to. Um, but I've been thinking about this, and maybe there's someone out there that can tell me exactly why d- genetically uh, that, that women would be at a massive disadvantage. If they would be, I don't know. But if you're all weighing the same... Can you not do? I mean, Cejudo has been jokingly mentioning the intergender championship for a while now. I, I, I would happily watch. I think, say, like Amanda Nunes versus Achito Vera. Now, people might call me crazy. Maybe there's something I don't know about that means that Nunes would be at some kind of disadvantage. But to me, I, I, I think I'd, I'd watch it. I would. I, 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 I think, you know, we're trying to be a progressive society. We're trying to move things forward in terms of gender equality. And I, I think, New, I, I agree with Cub Swanson. I think Nunes could take out men in the, for example, the 135-pound division. And we'll have to see. See, I, I don't think anyone will ever actually do that. I, I can't see Dana giving I, I, that the I okay. Can't see, I can't no. see that happening. Um, but what do you think? Do you think do you think that like Nunes versus like a top twenty or a top fifteen bloke in the bantamweight division? I mean, I have to say the bantamweight is my favourite division at the moment. I, I think it's absolutely fantastic. 
there's so much talent in that division. But Nunes versus a Chito Vera or a top 15 or top 20 bloke. Do you think it's a good fight? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be go. all over it. But like, yeah, it, we it, would it, all watch it. We and would I'm, all and watch I'm sure, it. like, week in, week out, you know, she, she must be sparring um, people in that camp, you know, that, that are, you know, of different gender, yeah. I'm sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, back in, you know, when you look at Ronda in her prime, I mean, she would have been ragdolling men in that division. You know, that level of, like, judo uh, would have caused people, you know, anyone at that weight class, whatever the gender, mm. trouble, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm all up for it. I'm, 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 you know, if whether it happens in UFC or it has to happen in, like, a pub car park, I'm damn for it. I think well, it there's, <laughs> there's that weird, what is it? Ah, oh, there's a really weird fight circus thing or something where they've done these really weird fights where it's like... There was like a female fighter versus like just a massively fat bloke, and then uh, and there's been I think I haven't watched any of the ones, but it was like I think there was like a two on one fight or a three on one fight, like or just a kicking fight. Like it's the the weirdest thing. It's called like fight circus or something. Um, whether it's worth watching or not, I don't know. But these things do exist in like really weird places. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And, and, and just quickly, I'm, I'm struggling to find that uh, other message, Blake, um, on, on the socials. I had a, had, a, had a rinse for it. But um, just to touch on something that I, I think Pip mentioned when he was on uh, before uh, the, the fight was... Just what uh, uh, an absolute, uh, j- just incredible! Like the, the 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 thought that UFC really should pay more attention to the fact that you know there's a same sex marriage there with a beautiful baby, and you know just an absolute like it's just a, such a good thing for 
you know, when you look at where, you know, mixed martial arts has come from, or UFC, you know, when you look at these kind of local shows where you see these really kind of bad posters, that which is just loads of kind of, you know, fellas just scrapping. Yep. And it's like, and then it's, you know, it can just bring that testosterone and that, that kind of almost like, and I'm not saying that UFC is this, but that, you know, there is definitely in anything that's going to be like fighting involved in it, there's going to be a meathead element to it. Yeah. And I think, you know, the fact that straight away after that fight finishes, you know, a partner comes in, the baby's in there and it's just like, that's what UFC needs. Stuff like that, pushing yeah. forward, you know, and, and, you know, and, and kind of eradicating any of that, that, that kind of, you know, the dregs of that, that, that meathead culture that probably still, you know, as fr- you know, fractions of it still there, do you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I completely agree. I think that, you know, it, probably the most beautiful part of the night was her taking uh, her daughter. She, firstly, she wins the fight. And, then, and actually, my wife watched this and she was really moved by it. You know, she's finished the fight. She's saying, where's my daughter? Where's my daughter? Nina Ansaroff, her wife, comes in with the baby, gives it to Amanda Nunes. And then Amanda Nunes walks over to Megan Anderson and Megan Anderson gives them both a massive cuddle and is like, kind of slightly like going, oh, what a cute baby and all this stuff. It's like, what a beautiful thing. Both in terms of what the barriers she's breaking down. She is the open, the um, only, I think, openly gay champion in the UFC, possibly ever. I'm not sure. Someone might correct me on that. But um, she's in a same-sex relationship with a baby, as, you, as you've said. And then just on terms of the sportsmanship, which is another thing that I, I spoke about it last week, I truly love those moments. Megan Anderson is in a title shot. All right, no one really expected her to win. Mm-hmm. But she hopefully did at some point in that training camp, thought I could be the next champion. I've got a chance. And after having her dreams completely dashed in about two minutes... She's been prepping for weeks and weeks or her whole life, if you want to talk about it that way, for this moment to be UFC champion. This woman has just absolutely destroyed her in two minutes. And then she's got up and he's smiling and he's cuddling the woman that's just beaten her and telling her like how lovely her baby is. And all that. it was so moving. I thought it was really brilliant. And my, my wife, who's not a mixed martial arts fan at all, she found that really moving as well. And, and, it's in, we're actually recording this on International Women's Day as well. We are. So we, are. we are. So very apt. You've got to tip your hat to the goat. And um, I would also like to shout out uh, Lewis Knowles uh, at Lewis eight nine nine nine, and then there's probably a few other numbers in there because there's an ellipses afterwards. But he he did ask. He said, "Who's next for Amanda? She's a beast. Only thing left for her is to start scrapping men, and I think she would beat a few." And um, I mean, yeah, I don't know if the only thing left for her is to start scrapping men, but I definitely think she could beat a few. So, uh, yeah, and, yeah. Well, I mean, going from one beautifully emotional uh, sort of, you know, closure to, to to a fight, to the fight before that, and I mean, oh. emotional in a completely different way. Um, I mean, for me, that was the the fight that, got the headlines and 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 was the one that I you know I thought as soon as I see Blake the first thing I'm going to say is Yan what the fuck was that like yeah. I mean I mean what happened there well so 
apparently Khabib was was there obviously because he was co- uh, uh, cornering Islam and he was clearly watching the the fights afterwards. <clears throat> he reckons he heard because it was all in Russian. Heard Petian's coach say, "Yes, you can kick him," uh, and he did so. Um, when I heard the corner, I could hear in English people saying, "Punch him, punch him." But then apparently in Russian, the guy says, kick him. Um, I, my, my opinion is, and I had a little back and forth with, with someone on, on Instagram uh, about, about this moment. And um, Jan isn't like Greg Hardy in his third fight, not knowing what he's doing or asking for an asthma pump or something. He, he's a champion. <laughs> He's a champion. Yeah. Should he not know the rules? Now, look, we've been saying from the start, we're not fighters. We don't understand the mental fatigue, the physical fatigue, and the the immense pressure and adrenaline that's coursing through you during a fight of that kind of magnitude. So, yeah, we, we don't know. But from the outside looking in, if you're a champion of your sport... Should you not know the rules inside out? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe there's footballers out there that still couldn't. I mean, with the rules going on in football at the moment, that's another subject. But maybe there are people that go, oh, I didn't know that rule. I didn't know this rule. But I think you should know whether or not you're allowed to knee an opponent who's got two knees on the ground. Uh, if you're the champion of, of, of your sport. Um, so I don't, I don't think you can, I don't think you can blame the court. And I don't think he did. I think he's, He's owned his mistake on Twitter. He's put it out there. Has he? I've not seen that. I, th- I, th- I think he has. I think he's put out there that, you know, it was my mistake. You know, it's, it's on me type thing, which good on him because it, it was. And it was terrible. <sighs> I mean... I mean, we, we, we should also mention at, at this point, um, you know, we, well, I mean, we are fast becoming the celebrity go-to podcast. We've had Chris Martin uh, from Coldplay <laughs> message us in twice. Uh, and it was great to... Uh, to have um, Cage Warriors ledge uh, Paddy Pimlet. Um, oh, yes. Paddy the Baddy, who, who will be a, a future guest, hopefully. Uh, we've got the wheels in motion for, for Paddy to come on. Um, and when I put that out to, uh, to Twitter about, you know, what do you, what do you make of this? Um, just going to try and uh, find that now. Paddy, uh, Paddy got stuck straight in uh, with his, his thoughts on it, which, were, you know, which pretty much just replicates... You know what what we're saying, which was like, uh, yeah, he just literally put, "What the fuck was Yan thinking?" Seriously though, where the fuck was his head at? It's like, uh, and then Andy Seddon's replied with, um, "It's even uh, it's even worse. That it's being reported that his corner told him to do it." Um, yeah, he, and Paddy's replied with, uh, "Certainly hope they uh, they never." Uh, all I, all I could hear was them saying punch. So much it's the same as like what you know what what you said, Blake. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, crazy. Yeah. And then, then he's literally just yeah, come back and said, you know, uh, Habib said that they uh, he heard it in Russian. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, Paddy's a, a you know a high level you know MMA athlete, and again, like, what the fuck? Like, why would you do that? Like, it, 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 I ju- I just think it's weird. I've seen you know a lot of hate uh, for Sterling. You know, saying he was milking it, he was, you know, turning it on. And it's like, come on, man. Like, he done nothing wrong. Like, absolutely nothing wrong. He, you know, he was, 
I mean, I thought Yam was comfortably winning the fight, um, and uh, 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 and but I, j- I just literally the way that you raised your arms at the beginning when you welcomed everyone to the podcast uh, was exactly what I sat up on my sofa with my arms in the air and literally said, "What the fuck was that?" Like I just thought I, I don't understand why you do it. I like. These are like elite level. This is like the champ. Like, you do not, you know, you don't say, oh, I didn't know that. That's not possible. And Sterling's playing by the rules is, you know, he knows he knows what he can do with his knees to, you know, to play that to his advantage, you know, yeah. to, to not eat anything that he doesn't need to eat. And he just gets a fucking huge knee to the head. And up from... You know the champ. That's not like a little knock to the side no. of the head. That's that's someone that's a skilled. You know, will throw an absolute vicious Muay Thai knee at you, and it's gonna, you know, it will rattle your head like you've never experienced. And it's like, and rightly so. You know, ref was like, whoa, and then he had every right to, you know, if he wanted to lay down because he was dazed, and, and you know, if he wanted to catch his breath, if he was contemplating, thinking, do I carry on? I don't know what was going on in. Sterling, I don't even know if Sterling knew what was going on. You know, he was—he could have been concussed. But ha, you know, uh, uh, the the bloodlust and stuff that that a lot of fight fans are like, "Oh, come on, man, get up and fucking get on with it." I come hate, on, man, yeah. that's dangerous. This, like, I, I hate that narrative. This whole thing of oh, he was acting, and on, and the Oscar goes too. There was a lot of that. A there was lot so of much of it. I mean, on the other hand, <clears throat> I didn't think it was the most the well-advised thing for him to put up on Instagram with Divashvili, who he trains with, a picture of him smiling and holding the belt. That, I mean, I looked under the comments of that. It was all Russian, and I bet it wasn't pleasant. <laughs> I, mean, I, I didn't hit the translate button, but I don't think I needed to. It wasn't pleasant. But having said, like, look, I felt like his attitude in the cage was the right one. The belt was put on him. He chucked it off. He was emotional. People saying, oh, but he conducted an interview. Why? He was sat down on a chair. No one was saying he was knocked out. But was that knee going to impact the rest of the fight? Of course it was. Was he probably losing the fight already? Yes. But is that going to have a positive effect on his performance? No. So it should be stopped. The other thing that really bothers me, like people talking about, oh, but Anthony Smith and, and John Jones. Yeah. The thing is, it's not, it shouldn't be for the athletes to decide what happens next. That is completely wrong. As soon as there is an illegal strike that massively, massively impacts the remainder of the fight, uh, you know, low blows, you get your five minutes. Eye poke, you get your time, whatever it is. But to have a knee to the head illegally, the ref should just go... Sorry, guys. No, fight's off. And I tell you what, if this had happened in a non-title fight, people would have been more accepting of it. It's because yeah. he's won the title like that yeah. that's caused more problems. But what else do you do? Like, yeah. the guy's lost his belt through disqualification. If someone loses by disqualification, does that mean that they that the belt becomes vacant now? Well, that's not the fault of the guy that, that put in his time and his money in the training camps and all of that. So, no, the belt should go to the other guy. However, 
I do think the way you deal with that is exactly like Sterling did in the cage and then in the post-fight interview, not necessarily how he did on social media afterwards. I don't think he should be... I think you've got to keep... Even if you're kind of slightly happy, that you're like, oh my God, I have got this belt now. You know you haven't won it in the in a manner that's that's correct necessarily. So I I don't think smiling with the belt is the way forward. I think you need to almost discard it and act like I don't I haven't won the belt. I've let's, been maybe let's cheated get this out fight on again. Belt. Let's get this fight on again. Which I think they will. I think that is the yeah. next thing for this division. You need the clarity of who wins. I think Jan was winning that fight, and I was slightly even more annoyed at him because it ruined one of my picks. Um but uh but Jan was winning that fight. I I have to say I thought Sterling I don't know if I was swayed by some of the commentary, but I don't know if he was slightly nervous to begin with. He come out and so fast. So, so fast. fast. Such a fast pace. But it was working. And I, I, I think I was saying a lot of the exchanges I thought Sterling was doing really well in and, and was winning early on. But he gassed out. And it's something to do with, I don't know whether it's, you know, again, hearing Daniel Cormier talk about, you know, the, those, those, those fat boys, those big biscuits, they've got the, uh, they've got the cardio. Whereas Aljo, there's not an ounce of fat on him. That man is absolutely, he looks like an action figure. Mm. And um, if you come out at that pace with that amount of muscle mass, it, are you just going to guess that? Do you, must, you just can't take it. So the rematch, could that be interesting? Is he going to slow it down? Is, he, is it going to be good for him in terms of going in? If he was nervous, maybe less nervous. Will he have more of a shot? I mean... It, the, the takedowns were so laboured towards the end. He was he still like he was shooting from a mile out, and they just had nothing behind them. They they seemed like Jan was dealing with them so easily, and the trips, Jan's oh, trips, the trips and sweeps were incredible. Oh, it was it was like he was embarrassing him. But that it, was that was him taking advantage of of the kind of the to me it came across that he was taking advantage of how how sort of flustered I think you know. Um, Sterling was at the, coming out yeah. of that pace. He was just going right. He's, he's going to make. He's going to come in so quick here, I, like, and I'm just going to literally do these really cheeky little trips, and and it, you know, that's going to knock your confidence. Yeah, like, you know, because he he was making it look easy. Yeah, he was, and uh, yeah, I think I think in the rematch, which should be happening, uh, Jan will will get it done. I, I wouldn't be changing my pick on that. I think Yan was um, really, like, I mean, it sounds weird now knowing what happened, you know, at the end, but was so choice of his striking, like, mm. was was just picking him off, picking him off. Um, yeah, I thought in round three, Sterling got really sloppy. It, the, the, the the gas tank was starting to yeah. empty, and like, and he just looked a little bit laboured. And and Yan's takedown defence decent, really oh, decent. So good. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean. Yeah, like I say, you know, let's just get this fight back on, and like yeah. because the the hype around that now is going to be amazing. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I, I just final nail in that coffin. Really, I don't want to see anyone having a go at Aljamain Sterling. It wasn't his fault. He didn't throw that knee, and I think we just got to all crack on and go for the rematch. If you want to imagine the belt's vacant, then that's fine too. You know that. He's not. He's not necessarily won the belt in in the right way, but that's not his fault. And I, I, I hate seeing all the negativity that that Aljo's getting, especially from other fighters as well. You're like, no, I, I don't think that's right. But 
the person who was the most pissed off about that knee sat at home watching was Corey Sandhagen. It had to be, isn't it? Because he's, he's number one contender. He's absolutely spot on, number one contender. And he's probably thinking, oh, now I'm going to have to do another fight or sit out for ages. And I think what's probably going to happen, because he did mention he didn't mind doing it as well, is that's the TJ fight, isn't it? Yeah. That's the TJ fight. And uh, we had, uh, I, think, I think I had a little comment from Daniel, Daniel Bisping, who uh, seems to be a uh, a guy on Twitter that's just basically put Daniel Cormier's face on, on Michael Bisping's body, it seems. <laughs> um, so, uh, Daniel, we've got all the celebrities, the uh, the love child of Dan, uh, Michael Bisping and Daniel Cormier. Um, uh, and um, he was saying something like, don't give TJ the number one contender shot. But it's big business. TJ's got to be one of, if not maybe the biggest name in the bantamweight division i know aldo's down there now you've got frankie edgar but tj is a bigger name than peter yarn he's a bigger name than aljermaine sterling he's a bigger name than Corey sandhagen and pretty much everyone else in the division he's beat garbrandt twice so he's yep. you would he's bigger than garbrandt so he is arguably the biggest name in that division and the ufc is a business so they're gonna put their big names in the big fights um, and it's, it could be a win-win for, for Sandhagen because if he goes into a title fight uh, off the back of the win over Edgar, that's great, but he st- still could be a much bigger name. Yeah. And if he beats TJ, and he will become such a big fan favourite because he's beaten the cheat. He's beaten the EPO guy. And I think everyone's going to be rooting for him. Everyone will love him. And if he knocks TJ out, I think they'll want him to be champ. I, th- I think yeah. it'll be if if he can beat TJ. Not only is it a legitimate, amazing win that means without any question at all, you are hundred percent number one contender, no shadow of a doubt. But also, I think his fan following skyrockets yeah. if he beats TJ. Definitely. Like, there's always going to be a, a huge, huge amount of people that want to see TJ just get yep. beaten. Yep. Okay, should we uh, should we talk about uh, Doba? Doba. Well, I, I, I've not really got much to say about Doba. There's a lot to say about Makachev. Let's bring it on. Oh, I mean, he's just so overwhelming. It's just Khabib, mauled him. It? Just mauled him. But wasn't it just reminiscent of of Khabib? Yeah, and exa- just exactly that. It's exactly that. Um, I don't looking at him physically, he doesn't seem as big for the weight class as Khabib, so he may not be quite as dominant as Khabib in terms of strength. Um, there might be people like down the line, like Gaethje or Michael Chandler or whatever, that with their very good wrestling skills, they might be able to deal with it a bit better than what they would do against uh, against Khabib, but. He just—he was a blanket. He just couldn't couldn't get him off. Um, Can you imagine how yeah. tiring that must be? Oh my god! It must just zap you, like just, just being mauled like that. It's relentless, absolutely relentless. Like, um, I, I mean, Dober had nothing. Like, no. he had no answer to any of it. And you know, the minute he got up. Within seconds, he was back down, and it was just like, oh, God, I just I felt for him. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I really did. But again, that's just, I mean, I think the tap at the end, I saw a couple of people being like, oh, we shouldn't tap to that. But you're like, mate, he's knackered and he's not winning. He's not doing anything. Just a lot of people say, oh, but that's not the fighter's mentality or whatever. But I'm so tired. And I bet when you're that tired and you're gasping for air, just standing on your feet or lying on your back, when someone's then sticking their shoulder in your neck, telling me you're going to breathe very well. No, I, I, I didn't have any problems with him tapping. He, he was, he was done. He was beat. And Makachev is scary. But the yeah. thing is, he's going to have, I think he's going to have to go on some kind of Khabib or Tony Ferguson esque run in the division. He called he, out Ferguson, didn't he? He did, but no one, no one in the top five wants any of Makachev. No one wants it. So he's going to, I think, <clears throat> there's people saying, oh, we should be getting a top guy now. I think Daniel Bisping, again, shout out, Daniel. Uh, he, uh, he said he's, he's Charlie Olives, uh, Charles Oliveira, the, um, the fight to make for Makachev. No, absolutely not. Because Ch- Charles Oliveira, really, in terms of meritocracy, should be fighting for the belt next. Why are you going to risk that opportunity? Why on a... I mean, where's Makachev ranked right now? I should really pull up the rankings while we do these chats, but I reckon he's ranked no higher than about 8th or 9th. Um, so was, he, was he ranked 11 going into that? He might have even been further, but maybe. Let's see, lightweight rankings. Uh, Islam Makachev went into that fight. I think new rankings might be coming out today when the Americans wake up. Um, as it stood the night of the fight, he was 14th. Right. 14th. Charles Oliveira is third. Yeah. You, why? No way. Why yeah. on earth would you do it? Why would um, you do a Leon Edwards and just fight someone that could, uh, you know, that, that, that yeah. gives, serves no purpose other than a lot of risk? Yeah. I mean, I do feel a little bit sorry for Charles Oliveira because it does feel like that division might play out in a Poirier Connor three and then maybe Chandler Gaethje. Yeah. Um, and then where does, where does uh, Chucky Olives, where does, where does he go? Uh, I'm not sure, but... Um, oh, Charlie Gaethje. Charlie Gaethje would be good, wouldn't it? Um, but on, the, on his call-out of Tony Ferguson, I'm not a fan of that call-out because Tony Ferguson's on a two-fight skid. I, I want to see Ferguson fight someone else. Once I, I really want to see Dan Hooker take a decent amount of time off. Uh, the, the heartbreaking story about him, did, did you see all of that when he, was, he couldn't see his uh, wife and kids because of the... Um, uh, the New Zealand COVID restrictions. Did you see all that? Oh my God. So Dan Hooker flies out to fight Chandler. He um, uh, gets obviously knocked out in the first round, which we're all aware of, and then has to wait about 50 days or 40 odd days before he can see his wife and kids. Cause he has to do like a bit of time in Abu Dhabi then when he flies over to New Zealand, he has to do a few weeks in um, in their hotel quarantine system. So between getting knocked out in the first round and probably being, you know, really downhearted about all of that, he's then got to wait 50 days or whatever it is before he can even hug his kid again. And he's just oh, there, sat rough. in hotel rooms, with a, knowing he's lost, probably gutted that he's not even really got to fight because he got knocked out so quickly. And 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 there's 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 pictures of him where his wife and kids are about two meters blocked off by like a fence and a barrier, and they're there, 
but they can't touch him. They can't, and, and it was heartbreaking. I mean, and it's stuff like that's the reason why New Zealand are doing so well with the with yeah. the COVID situation. So good on them as a nation for having the right restrictions in place. But God, it was heartbreaking. I really felt for him. And but yeah, but um, we digress. The um, what were we talking about? <laughs> well, the Ferguson call. Oh, Ferguson. Then, yeah. I'd like to see Ferguson Hooker or something like that. Yeah. But but after Hooker's had a lot of time off, I mean, he had a war yeah. with Poirier, war with Paul Felder, knockout against Chandler. I think if he takes an entire year or more off, I'm happy with that. I don't know how quickly Ferguson wants to come back, but he took an absolute beating from Gaethje. And then really he took a bit of a pummeling from Oliveira as well. Yeah. It wasn't quite as bad, but it was a pummeling. So he could probably do with a good break as well. Uh, unless Ferguson wants to go up and fight Nate Diaz at 170, I would watch the hell out of that. Yeah, that would mate. be something else. Oh, but, that's a great shot. Oh, that would be fantastic. I mean, Diaz is saying he only really wants to fight at 170 now. Ferguson, is he got another title running him? Maybe. I, don't, I think he's on two-fight losing streak. I don't think he's going to get a title fight anytime soon. Go for a big money fight with Nate Diaz. That, that could headline a card. Yeah, very, easily. I, and you'd want to see five rounds of that. I don't yeah. want three rounds. Of, I want five rounds of that fight. Yeah. Uh, I would pay for that. That's a pay-per-view event I would watch. Um, All over that. So, All over that. Yeah, but in terms of Makachev... And I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, because I realise I've just been chatting for ages. But That's all right. Uh, random one. I'd like him to fight Kevin Lee. Oh, that's Be- a good chat. Because Kevin Lee... Where's has, he ranked? He, I think he's, he was, the night of the fight, ranked above Makachev. He is ranked 11th. Whether Makachev will be above him now after that win, I don't know. But... Kevin Lee was always, always chatting shit about Khabib. He was always saying, I'm the antidote to Khabib. I'm the best wrestler in the lightweight division. I don't believe him, but it's a good little storyline to go, okay, here's, you know, it's a bit Cobra Kai. It's Khabib's boy. And let's send him in against, uh, against the guy that was constantly talking shit about him. Um, and again, I, I, I don't see anyone in the top five taking Makachev. Maybe they should. There'll probably be a lot of uh, Makachev fans out there saying, no, he deserves this, he deserves that. Yeah, he probably does. Is anyone going to sign that contract in the top five to fight Makachev? No. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. No, they're absolutely not going to do that. So he needs to get more wins. He needs to, unfortunately. Also, I think potentially because of his style as well, because it happened with Khabib. You could yeah. argue that Khabib should have been fighting for belts four fights earlier than what he did. But because of the whole Connor situation, things holding things up, and also because of Khabib's style of just mauling people, which is so effective, and towards the end of that run, when he starts submitting people quicker, it's entertaining. But there's a lot of casual fans that would much rather see a Connor, a Poirier, a Dan Hooker, a Paul Felder, just, just go into absolute war or showing off some really interesting striking 
than someone that is mauling you on the ground. It's it's not as aesthetically pleasing. Um, I, I agree, I, I, and that's me. You know, I, I, I totally like subscribe to that as well. Like, I can see the you know just how incredible he is, but give me Chandler Gaethje. I know what I'm watching. Oh hell like, yeah! You know, I, I want. I, you know, the the bloodlust is there for that. Like, yeah. I want to see. I want to see them epic stand-ups. You know, yeah. and but yeah, I mean. You know, there is. There was a few, you know, Khabib fights where you do think, oh, "Well, I know what I'm going to get." Yeah. And it, 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 you know, it's not necessarily going to be, as you said, aesthetically as exciting and pleasing to the eye as no. you know, as as a real mixed martial arts fight. It's going to be a wrestle yeah. fest, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, high to level. Fair, to be fair, the Gaethje Khabib fight, which just was. And in the end, so easy for Khabib. That was the one I was really excited about. There's so many Khabib fights where I've just gone, yeah, Khabib's amazing, but am I that interested in watching him fight Poirier or McGregor? No, not really, because I think I can see how it's going to go. I want to watch fights like with Jan Sterling. That was my fight. I wanted to watch more than any on the card. So I was like, I really don't know which way this is going to go. It could go either way, and I think it's going to be exciting. If you put Khabib, I think, against absolutely anyone in the lightweight division, a bit of my excitement goes away because I just go, well, I know what I'm getting. And Nunes is in danger of being that way as well. I mean, she she still does have, I think, quite exciting knockouts and, and submissions. And you don't... The thing with Nunes where I think she, she gets away with her dominance more is because you don't know in what way it's going to come about. She can submit, she can knock out, she can whatever. Khabib, it's like... Nine times out of ten, you can go, how's the Khabib Connor fight going to go? How's the Khabib Poirier fight going to go? And list everyone else in the lightweight division world and just go, oh, it's going to go like this. And you'll be right because Khabib has one way of doing it and it's the most effective thing we've probably seen in mixed martial arts. Um, So, yeah. So, Makachev, unfortunately, I think will be in this position where no one's going to want to fight him. He's going to have to really work harder than a lot of other people to get that title shot. And... When he does, he probably will win. I mean, the more exciting fights might be because I think he's a bit lighter than Khabib is. Or what will it be like against Gaethje? What will he be like against Chandler? Uh, Charles Oliveira maybe as well. But um, but yeah, but I think for now, he's going to have to get a few more wins under his belt, move his way up the rankings because he's not going to get a huge push, I don't think. Um, yeah. And Kevin Lee might be a fun one to 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 watch and there'll be a bit of beef and the... The lead up to that fight will be fun, and it could probably headline like a fight night card as well, which again boosts up Makachev's stock and his his following and all that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, I'd I'd, I'd go down that road road, but that's not to say that's the fairest road. It's just the road that I think is probably most likely to happen. Absolutely. Well, I think we should maybe briefly touch on 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 uh, two more of the fights because uh, yeah. we're, we're we're well over the hour mark now. So are we? I, I think. Oh yeah, my god. <laughs> I just chatted for too much. <laughs> well, I think we, you know, we, we, we've got to talk about um, uh, the Ratchich and um, and Santos fight, uh, which I thought that fight was a bit boring. It was uh, a bit boring. Yeah, go on. Uh, I, yeah. I, I thought there was. Um, I thought Ratchich was really, really heavy on his front foot, and I just had no idea. I was watching how he was throwing and where, watching where his weight was, and I had no idea why Santos weren't, weren't just throwing them low kicks in. It just made so much sense, and he just weren't doing it. Um, 
I thought he could have really took advantage there. I, I thought they both looked huge for 205. I thought they both looked like yeah. monsters. Um, I'll tell you what I did like uh, that, that, that happened, that we're starting to see more um, since the M- McGregor Cowboy, uh, the, the, the shoulder sh- like strikes. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, and I see that sort of reappeared in that. And, and, and since maybe I've just hyper-aware of it now after sort of seeing it, you know, rinsed when, when, when Connor done it. But um, interesting to sort of see that that being used a little bit more now. I think that's... Um, am I right? Did, did Poirier use that in his... In he his might have done. Con- I think Usman's probably used that a few times as well. I think it is a, it's a relatively common thing to use, but Connor made it massive because, A, he's Connor, and, B, it, it broke Cowboy's nose. Yeah. So he just used it so effectively. Yeah. Um, I... I, I I think I can respect why that fight was slightly boring. They're both huge powerhouses. No one wanted to get clipped. Um, in terms of what's next, Santos are still... The reason I picked Rakic to win that fight was because I was worried about Santos post the surgeries on his knees. It still looks like he's not fully there. Yeah. Um, and uh, and that's why I picked Rakic. And next for Rakic, I think we touched on it earlier, I'd love to see him... Because I think he was fourth going into that fight. Santos was ranked second. So they'll probably switch positions. And then you've got Yuri Prohashka versus Dominic Reyes coming up. I think if we've got Yan versus Glover, which is the next fight to have, I don't know how long that's going to take for Yan to be ready. Um, But you've got that fight coming up. And then I think I'd be interested in seeing the winner of Reyes and Prohashka fight in Rakic. And then that could be the winner of that then fight becomes your next title challenger for 205. So I guess we should talk Dominic Cruz. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, uh, there's not a huge amount to say. We had one uh, uh, question from uh, uh, Michael Parr, who is an old uh, drama school mate of mine, also went into Emmerdale, and, uh, but he's uh, done a bit of uh, mixed martial arts himself. So it's really nice getting a, a, a question from, from Mikey Parr. Uh, shout out, bro. Um, and uh, he was saying, how do you feel about watching commentators fight? Personally, I really like it. I like seeing them kind of like putting their money where their mouth is. I, I like seeing Paul Felder, Cormier, uh, uh, Dominic Cruz having a fight. Um, I think uh, the fight itself, I think to me, Cruz is the clear winner his erraticness is just it's hard to to stop having said that he didn't look like the world beater that he was and it i feel like age might be catching up to him a bit see i thought that the footwork was still there i thought the movement yeah. was incredible but i thought there was a lot of huge swinging shots that big time were way off target yep like uh i didn't feel like the precision Seemed to be on point, like, but, but yeah, I mean, he, I still thought he'd done enough, and uh, and and yeah, deserved to win that. I've got no, no qualms about. It. In regards yeah. to, um, like commentators fighting, I don't really see what the problem is. I, I, I have no. no no issue with that, and I also love the fact that ex fighters um, then start turning up on panels and things like that. I like that. You know, there seems to be an element of aftercare for fighters and, yeah. you know, like whether they just, you know, I know 
you know, we've been to several events and we was talking just before we pressed record uh, about, you know, seeing certain fighters at, at, you know, at UFC events and things that have obviously been paid to be there and, and to yep. kind of, you know, in, involve in the fan experience. And I think that's, you know, really, really cool. And, and you know, to, to see, you know, to see Dan Hardy just become what he's become as a, as a commentator, incredible. You know, I think he's, Absolutely fantastic. Same. Well, I know Felder's still fighting, but I think Felder's, you know, great. And and yeah, and you know, I'm I'm not a huge Bisping fan, but uh, you know, he's there. He's doing his bit, and you know, I think he's not. I, I can't see him sort of going anywhere right now. I think Dana seems to like having him, you know, voicing some of them fights. Same with DC. Yeah. No, I I, I am more than happy to watch the commentators fight. I think it makes them more relevant. I think it's good for them as as athletes and stuff to be um well ultimately they're just more famous for doing the commentary and then they're fighting it's good for their careers they're probably pulling in more money um and yeah and i i like knowing my fighters i like having an emotional attachment to them so whether i so when i think oh i either do like you on commentary or i don't like you on commentary then that gives me a feeling of like, I either want to see you win or I want to see you lose. I think, I don't know if it was Daniel Cormier that was saying like, the last thing you want is for people to not care. As a fighter, you want them to love you or you want them to hate you. If they don't care, then you're not going to make enough money. Mm. And being a commentator generally makes me like them a bit more. Uh, and uh, and I want to see them fight, and I enjoy seeing them fight, and I want to see them win a lot of the time. So, yeah, I've got no problems with watching commentators fight, and uh, Cruz got a good win, first win since 2016, as we mentioned with, with Pip the other week. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, he looked tired, though. Mm. I, he was fighting open-mouthed a lot, and I couldn't remember. I was like, is that how Cruz fights? Does he always look a bit like that? I couldn't really remember because it's been so... I mean, obviously, he had the Cejudo fight, but... That was a bit different. and um, But yeah, so he did seem tired to me. Mm. But next for Cruz, I, I'd like to... I know Cruz is probably still thinking he's got a title running him, and maybe he does, but Bantamweight's so hot at the moment. I want to see him do... They're very relevant fights still, but I want him to go on a little bit of a Legends tour. Cruz versus Aldo is a fight that's never happened and would be absolutely fantastic. Mm. Same with Cruz versus Frankie Edgar. I'd watch either of those two fights all day long. They'd be a brilliant co-main event to, to something, a pay-per-view, or they'd be a great uh, fight night headliner. Cruz v, uh, v Frankie Edgar or Cruz v Aldo is still relevant, like top 10 fights in the division, um, but it's a bit of a legend story. And if he can pick up a win against an Aldo then 100% you can then throw him in against another big prospect that is maybe a potential title eliminator or something like that. I mean, you know, rumours of a favour coming back for TJ. I mean, could we roll that one out again? I don't know. No, I, I really, I hate, we discussed it, I hate the favour TJ idea. No, I'm talking favour Cruz again. No, I, no, I know. I, I still don't think, I, I think Cruz has had favour's number for a while now. Cruz, despite the injury, still feels like he's a fighter that, that wants to keep fighting. Faber, if he comes back, feels to me more like he's 
he's doing it just because he can and for the money and all that stuff. And not in a bad way. Like, that's absolutely fine if that's what he wants to do. But I, I, I wouldn't be overly excited about unless Cruz maybe loses one or two. If Cruz loses one or two fights, him having a big fight against Faber, absolutely mm. fine. Mm. But if, if he's just won one, I, I, which he has, I, I, just, I, just, I want to see him fight someone more relevant but also I want to see him fight people a bit more up there in age as well. And that's the beauty with Bantamweight. We've got these brilliant young prospects, but we've also got some absolute legends in there as well. Mm. And I'd like to see a little, because the other thing is these guys are going to retire soon. If we go for their whole careers and not see a Cruz versus Frankie Edgar or a Cruz versus Jose Aldo, then I think that's a shame. I think that's a great a great match to 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 want. To yeah, watch. There, there'll be matches that in years to come, people look back and go, "Did they fight? What? No, why did they never fight?" Like exactly because they're they're absolute fan favourites. I think that would be, uh, yeah, you're on the money there. Like I think they're ideal fights. Um, yeah. Well, looking ahead, um, we've got some great some great guests coming up. Uh, we've got um, just to give you a, a heads up on a few of them. We've got um, former uh, WEC champ uh, and UFC legend uh, Brad Pickett now uh, now training the prospect. Um, so we'll be chatting to to Brad about all things MMA. Who else we got coming up, Blake? Are we allowed to mention this? We got we got Paddy Pimblett before his uh, big uh, cage ra- cage warriors sorry uh, fight coming up. Uh, and uh, Paddy is just such an exciting fighter to watch. We were talking about this earlier as well. Like he just seems to be so exciting and frantic, but so technical at the same time. I really love watching watching him fight. And uh, he's got some epic walkouts. He's a legend in Liverpool, and he's still young. He's done loads. He's been. Uh, featherweight champion cage warriors uh he was he had a title fight for the lightweight and had he he didn't win that fight unfortunately but he was going to be the first uh, uh to be the featherweight and lightweight champion in cage warriors since conor mcgregor had he won that fight mm-hmm. so there's a lot of buzz about paddy and also you know i'm sure he's sick to death of people asking him when are you going to the ufc when are you going to the ufc but he's 26 years old and he's brilliant it's inevitable that he will go to the UFC at some point. And he's got a massive fan base as well. So he's going to be really exciting. We're going to have him on. And we've got some other great guests um, that we're, we're, we're some of your celebrity faves that are going to be popping up uh, on the fight or flight sections of this podcast. And we, we won't give away any names for that just yet, but we've, trust me, we've got some really, really good ones in the bag there. I think we're done, mate. I think we're done. But also, I mean, do, do we mention that this Saturday, Leon Edwards versus Bilal mm. Mohammed, not, a great deal in it for Leon Edwards in terms of name value with Bilal Mohammed, but a big, big fight. He needs to win. If he gets that win, probably, hopefully, fingers crossed, the title shot next. And big shout out for uh, uh, Darren, the dentist, Stuart as well. Englishman going out over there to fight Eric Anders. Eric Anders got a great nickname. Eric, your boy, Anders. <laughs> but uh, obviously, we're, we're rooting for Darren Stewart. We hope he does well. Uh, and there's some other like sneaky good fights on that card. Um, we got um, uh, Ashley Yoda against Angela Hill. Danny Gay's fighting Ben Rothwell, who's got such a weird fight style. I find for a heavyweight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we got some good ones. So this Saturday, there's actually a, a sneaky good card coming your way. So check oh, it out as well. I just want to finish the podcast. I wish I had a little button that done a big Ben Rothwell laugh. Like I just wanted that. <laughs> 
I swear once he thought he was like The Undertaker or Kane and he did like some post-fight thing and he was putting on some, yeah, some weird voice. It was so bizarre. It was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. But uh, I think he thinks he's a pro wrestler sometimes, but he's he's good. He's got a very odd fight style, um, so he's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, and Manel Cape as well. Manel Cape fought Pantoja only really recently. And uh, he, he lost, and I think rightfully so he lost, and he was pretty upset about it. He didn't seem like he thought he should have lost, but I, didn't, I, I think it was the right decision. But a lot of people are very high on Manel Cape, 125-pounder, uh, and I, I think he, he could be big things in future, so keep an eye out for him as well. And just lastly, thanks to you lot for uh, for getting behind this podcast. Um, the best thing you can do is subscribe. Um, we're on all the social media platforms now. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, give us a like, a love, a share, a retweet, a follow. And, and yeah, and if you've got pals that are into MMA uh, and they like listening to uh, a couple of lads just having a chat down the pub uh, about their favourite fights, then tell them about this podcast. We're back next week. See you later, guys. Mm-hmm.